Hello and welcome to All Things Small Business, brought to you by DAU. I'm Ken Karka, DAU Small Business Learning Director. This series is offered as a continuing dialogue between government, industry, and academia on acquisition-related issues that impact small businesses who support the critical defense industrial base. Let's join today's conversation. Welcome to All Things Small Business. I'm your host, Anthony Rotolo, and this is the show where acquisition and small business meet. We bring together business owners, contract experts, policymakers, and stakeholders, and we explore the issues facing small business and acquisition professionals as they work together to overcome challenges in a government and defense context. With me for today's episode is Gita Murthy. She is the CEO of Roar, R-O-R-E is the spelling of the company. Her company is a general contractor, and they are also prime on contracts with NAVFAC and the Army Corps of Engineers. The company has been doing construction since 2009. They have several office locations and provide support nationally and in Hawaii. They have also performed work in Japan. They are a woman-owned small business, WOSB, and an 8A business development program graduate. Gita, welcome to All Things Small Business. Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, We're thrilled to have you. So, Gita, this is still a relatively new podcast that we're offering. It's really designed, as I mentioned in the introduction, to help acquisition folks work with people like you. But to get us started and just to orient us, if you could begin by just telling us a little bit about your company, how it all got started and the type of business space your company plays in. Again, thank you for having me, Anthony. So I started Roar in 2003 and it was sort of organically grown. I'm from the academic field. My training is actually I'm a biochemist as an undergraduate degree and a biomechanics graduate doctorate degree. So I'm absolutely, I did an about face and decided to go into construction. I've always been passionate about construction and I'm an opportunist and a risk taker, I suppose. So there was an opportunity that came about and I decided to take the risk and enter business. Although I never, ever thought that I would be a business entrepreneur. And then fast forward 17 years, it's been a wild ride. It's been crazy, you know, positives, highs and lows, but I'm still in business, which is a great thing, riding, navigating the waters through even more challenging times of COVID. Well, you sound like a real entrepreneur. That's a radical reinvention that you did from your academic training. And then it sounds like other personal preparation met the opportunity that you jumped upon. So what a remarkable story. But it sounds like you're about to tell me more about this now this COVID era that you entered into. Yes, of course. You know, everybody, it caught everybody by surprise. Fortunately, I'm grateful for the uh, Department of Defense because that's my niche. I provide construction for the DOD and we're essential um, and industry. So we've been able to continue our operations, but it has absolutely been challenging Um, I'm sure all businesses are in a similar boat, but I think small businesses are impacted even further because there are two drivers, personnel and capital. 
and small businesses, you know, of course, we run the gamut. Some small businesses are, you know, saturated with funds. Others aren't. And with the credit, the creditors like the banking and the surety markets tightening up, it's been very, very challenging for a small business in construction to get the bonding or to get the line of credit that we used to have in place. In fact, I'm really going through a very difficult time currently with my banker, um, and I'm trying to switch the banks because their creditors, credit department has completely tightened the availability for me to access capital. Really? Even as a, a long-established business, you're, yep, you're having trouble. that's absolutely right. So a lot of which my- Which says uh, something for the smaller, less established businesses, I imagine. Yes, correct. And I would say that you bring up a good point. I think small businesses run the gamut. There are some that are not so sophisticated and others are sophisticated. I consider our business pretty robust and sophisticated. We've got the infrastructure in place. I've been in business to demonstrate our longevity. Even so, the bankers just don't care. And surety, you know, I've got a great support staff with surety. They're trying their hardest to continue support. Um, um, But even then, it's been difficult. Now, every project that I intend to submit a bid on, I need to go through this review with them, which wasn't the case pre-COVID. And I anticipate things will probably get worse over the next few months until they improve probably, you know, end of next year, perhaps. Yes. It sounds like it's a risk-averse environment that we're in, and lenders have their marching orders. Everyone's gotten the memo, I suppose, that it's not a time of loose, easy Mm -mm. credit lending, right? Mm -mm. And in terms of personnel, you know, I know it's hard for, I mean, we do a lot of work for the DOD, and, and it's hard for DOD folks to understand business operations. It's vastly different. And there's so many things that I have recommendations on and I would wish I could capture, you know, some of the attention to say, hey, let's try to work through this. Let's try to work through the challenges. Let's not get bogged down with paperwork and bureaucracy. And please don't constantly threaten us, you know, with liquidated damages or, you know, hey, you have a deadline approaching and you're not there yet. And we're going to, you know, remember, you have LDs looming over you. I wish they wouldn't do that because... Running a business in a COVID environment where you're very, very sensitive on your employees, you somebody coughs or somebody, you know, one of them is sick. You just automatically think, oh, my goodness, quarantine for 14 days. What's the protocol? You know, you sort of go down that trail and you want to make sure you protect all the other employees they've been in contact with. Well, I'm not going to say that sob story to a contracting officer, you know, and saying, hey, we need more time because... You know, I'm going through this. But unfortunately, I think the folks on the DOD side just think that, oh, here we go again. They're just blaming it on COVID. I could totally understand that, you know, because when I deal with vendors on other instances and they tell me, oh, we're not ready. It's not you're not going to get this piece of equipment because of COVID. I'm going, oh, here we go again. You know, so I totally understand that. But in reality, that is the case. It is COVID. If we are under tremendous stress and our sensitivity is way high because we want yeah, the to protect. Cons- the, the constraints have gotten far worse. Yes. Uh, just, just to operate with that layer of concern 
is mm-hmm. extremely challenging. Mm-hmm. Have there been any silver linings? You know, COVID is, uh, you know, often it's a tale of two cities, best of times, worst of times, and there are silver linings to be found, some unexpected benefits or new ways of working. Can you think of anything along those lines that have happened with your company? Absolutely. So from a business standpoint, from a CEO standpoint, I'm really trying to get a grip on my business. It's been a great time for me to uh, cut the froth, if you will, trim the fat. And I actually, um, right around March, I decided, you know what, I am taking my company in a new direction. I want to be a lean and mean machine. I want to get rid of the executives or leadership that really haven't benefited me from a number standpoint. Um, so I, and I did exactly that. I got rid of, I took the opportunity of COVID to get rid of the C players. And now I'm moving forward with folks that really, really add value to the company. And I am involved and entrenched in operations um, at a much deeper level, I'm not doing day-to-day stuff, but I'm very much in the know of what's going on. Whereas before, you know, I had the leadership sort of, you know, buffering between, you know, me, the CEO and in, and the operation. So that's been the silver lining. I think the other aspects have been, I think the vision moving forward, I know what I want for my employees. I've been much more sensitized to the work-life balance. Some employees I've had quit because they wanted to be near their families or be living at home because of COVID as opposed to working offsite. So I lost employees from that uh, standpoint. And it's been hard for me to recruit persons for projects because no one, either they're not ready to test the water, so they're not willing to give up their current employment because of COVID and the uncertainty, or you've got C players that are roaming around and I don't really want to, you know, get C players on my staff. So it's sort of a balance. Yeah, it has to be a mixed bag all around. Every industry, every business is unique, but I know that COVID has Obviously, you know, what we're doing right now is a remote call. It's a perfect example mm-hmm. of even had we had the opportunity to meet in person because of COVID, the instances of these remote recorded calls is one example of how we adapt. I wanted to ask you, though, the nature of your business being what it is, it's construction. There's a high level of on-site requirement to be where you are building. Has your Is your business impacted? So... I'll back up a moment and explain where I'm going to. Many businesses have found a silver lining in realizing that they may not have to carry this the amount of bricks and mortar of their operation with more people working remotely. They may not need an additional office or things like that. Do you know, if is the construction industry being impacted in that way? Are there more people working remotely or does it remain something where you keep a presence and you're also at various construction sites. I'm just curious how that translates um, to you. Okay. I think it varies. I mean, obviously the construction folks, the field folks have to show up to work. Uh, they are there, you know, they're the hands-on folks. And um, so they show up to work every day unless they're sick or whatever. They maintain their distance. They have their PPP on, you know, they have their masks on whenever and they follow protocol that are mandated by state or city or, or even the feds, for example. 
And then uh, from a from a home office standpoint, I've actually given my employees uh, the option. I'm more dri- uh, driving towards the results oriented work environment. Um, so as long as you meet the deadlines, as long as you know your tasks get done, um, then it doesn't matter to me whether you're in the office or you know work elsewhere remotely. But a lot of my folks actually do show up to the office because they have their own office, they have computers, they've got the you know the tools necessary for them to get their work done more effectively. But I've had folks who stay at home on Mondays or Fridays to you know do some work because they prefer to do that in their pajamas or the baseball cap, you know, which is, I'm okay with that. And that's what I was driving at. I think a lot of companies have even reduced the amount of office space required because they may have people teleworking, let's say it's 50% of the time. In theory, they can, they might implement workstation sharing and things like that, where in some cases their physical footprint requirement was reduced, which for a small business could be a huge cost savings for them in terms of overhead expenses. But that has not been the case for me because um, we've, we're in a you know long-term lease yes. with the landlord and it's a supply chain, right? So they don't want to let go of their um, le- uh, folks who are leasing their space. So I'm sort of tied to rent uh, for the next several years and um, it's just it's just too bad. You know, which is unfortunate, but there's nothing I could do about that. Yes. I wanted to ask you if you could speak to the woman-owned business status and whether and how socioeconomic programs like that helped you in, in cultivating your own growth. Absolutely. So I really hats off to the feds um, for allowing folks like us to be able to expose to opportunities there we can bid on projects because I struggle with getting penetrating the city market or the county market or the state market because they don't have set-asides. They have set-asides in that um, within a contract, you know, I think 3% or whatever needs to be dedicated to better-known businesses or small businesses, but the way they define small is quite small. I think it's the revenues of one to one million or three million, which we are not. So without the feds and without the uh, set asides, I think I would it would be very difficult, especially in a male dominant field, because it's all about who, you know, and the guys are pretty well networked, you know, either by, through AGC or ABC or through um, Chamber of Commerce, you know, and Rotary Club. So they it's it's an old boys network. You know, so for me to penetrate some of these other markets, it is challenging, but I'm doing exactly that. I'm trying to diversify my resume to go beyond just the feds. I'm trying to penetrate the educational institutions, schools and hospitals, but it takes time. Right. And with the 8A set aside program was great. When I was in the 8A program, I absolutely maximized my opportunities I infused a lot of capital into marketing, and I took advantage of the program, and it served me well. And I really, really thank the DOD for that. And it sounds like what you did was, rather than just rely on that program, it it might have given you a platform from which to gain customers, but you're expanding from there. You're building your reputation as a company and creating new customers as you go. So perhaps it's something that helped you start, but which 
um, might, might be the training wheels that got you started and, but you see your business grow from there. Absolutely. I don't know if that's a good way to say, yeah. No, no, no. That, I think that's a great, I think that's a great, um, metaphor training wheels was exactly right. And I used, uh, that, you know, you, you have to be smart about it. You know, we pretty much had to bid low on projects just to, you know, build your resume but now we're at a point where our resume was built and now we can compete against the regular small business set asides, you know, because once you graduate from the 8A, you no longer have that 8A space, which is exactly what I was um, hoping to accomplish. And, and we were able to do that. That makes so much sense. Now, as we conclude our discussion today, what word of advice do you have for other small businesses working in the acquisition space? You know, I think I would really like to see more of a connection and collaboration between acquisition and contractors. I think some of the folks have some of the folks on the acquisition side have starting to do that by having, you know, small business forums and, you know, getting our opinions and feedback on certain, you know, bureaucratic steps that actually impede progress. I think we need to do a lot more of that and have a collaborative approach to doing business as opposed to an adversarial relationship. I think right now, to a certain extent, we, the contractors and, and the government seem to be, you know, butting heads and really, you know, there's some, uh, to, there's distrust to a certain extent. And I really, really wish, you know, that would be mitigated and that would, you know, go away and it would be more collaborative and, hey, let's help each other towards the same goal of enhancing and enriching, you know, the lives of, you know, the soldiers, you know, at the end game is that's who we're trying to, you know, improve lives for. Absolutely. I love, I love that you touched on that vision point. I mean, this is ultimately in service of equipping our soldiers. We have the same goal in mind. Mm -hmm. We have to pull out the points of friction, the bumps and snags that keep us from doing business together as efficiently as possible. I think that's what I hear from you. Yep, that's absolutely right. And I hope that we get there. I think we will. And I think you may have supplied us with many future show topics, <laughs> many challenges to explore. Uh, our guest has been Gita Murthy. The company is Roar. I want to thank you so much for your time today, Gita. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. This is Ken Karkoff once more. I want to thank our guests for participating in today's conversation. Your insights and perspectives will surely help our listeners. And an invitation to our listeners, if you'd like to participate as a guest in a future conversation, please reach out to me at kenneth.karkoff at dau.edu. Till next time, stay engaged and collaborate across your networks. Everyone's talents and skills are needed within the defense industrial base as we fulfill the national defense strategy together.